Good evening and welcome to episode 21 of the 3 on 3 podcast. We're starting to get into the business end of the season and that four horse race is starting to pace up. But the head horse is still proving results that no one expected. However, we're here this week to give you an hour of educational musings as ever. And as per normal, we have the elder of the parish and a, I think a happy Scott. Good evening, John. And good evening, Scott. How are you, gents? Uh, underwhelmed. I'm not exactly excited tonight. Normally I come on excited, but I feel a bit meh today. So, sorry to kind of maybe uh, burst the bubble, but just underwhelmed. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, Scott. Happy, Scott. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Tired. Um, we never did this live from Stockport. Um, with some shenanigans of last night, uh, but we'll not go into that. We're, we're here. We're back in the home studio. Um, our, vo- our guest voice this week, um, you may have seen him mostly at the rinks and on social media topless. Um, however, we're, we're looking forward to um, some pearls of wisdom. Good evening, Baz, or is it Simon? What would you like to be called this evening? Hey, guys. Um, <laughs> Baz, please. Um, only a couple of people, obviously. Well, everyone's going to know, obviously, my name now. But, yeah, only a couple of people call me by Simon. That's mainly family members. But, yeah, good evening all. Um, hope you're all good. Yeah, thanks ever so much for having me on. Nah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it should be a, another good episode. Um, a lot of good feedback on that last week's episode. Again, thanks to Chris for um, joining in. We had a good laugh over the weekend uh, when he wasn't hungover. Um, however, when it comes to On the Ice, Belfast, Cardiff and the Guildford Flames with four points, uh, Manchester with three points, and then it's 2-1-0-poir for the rest of the league. Gents, quickly around the table, what was your highlights? I guess for me, you'd have to say Belfast, to be fair, have picked up four huge points, which um, I think most of the rest of the league would have rather be a split weekend. Both those games going in regulation, um, so no team's been up any additional points. To get four points against Sheffield, that's a pretty impressive uh, haul, especially going into, as you say, the business end of the season now. Every point now is massive, and obviously any points you take off your rivals, even bigger. So that was a, yeah, impressive haul by the uh, by the Giants. Although the Blaze lost um, after his call-up for GB, Johnny Curran, with a big performance kill for the penalty shot goal as well. So, yeah, the, the guy is doing very well, especially these last few weeks. I'm going to say, yeah, big week over Cardiff. The Devils, they needed that. Um, big win Saturday night against the Flyers. Um, a tough ask, to, obviously, for a way trip up to Scotland to face the Stars. Um, going 2-0 up, 3-0, and then obviously just nipping it at the end. But big, big weekend for us. And I think... Done a good job there. I'm going to go with the the weekend's games in Belfast, but on a different slant. Um, the the Sheffield fans turnout was superb, rocked with a bit of news from Fly maybe, um, but a great attendance. But also the performance of Matt Greenfield all weekend. Um, the one point Sheffield got, he um, earned, and. Um, should be bought many drinks and uh, many a steak dinner just on that alone. He was outstanding. If you get the chance to look at the highlights, he on the Saturday alone, he had about two or three save-the-season candidates. Um, unfortunately, though, it's um, on a losing uh, effort and 
questions have start being asked. However, we go from those highlights and we'll say we mentioned the points for it, but we'll start with the uh, the Belfast Sheffield weekend. Um, yes, great for Belfast, uh, but not great for um, Cardiff or Guildford. Um, I think the split would have been benefited, especially Sheffield. It's one of them that is that the uh, their time to jump out of the race. But I'll, I'll go around the table quickly on it. It's it's one of them we said before. It's normally, you have that type of results this close to the end of the season. That's it. You start saying thank you and good night. The way this season's gone, though, you you, you still can't rule out Sheffield still being in the race come the last weekends of the season. No, I, I don't think so. And with it being the end of January, we're only two thirds through the season. Um, we've still got a big third left. And as, but Belfast didn't blow out Sheffield in any way. Um, Sheffield were, were in the games to the end, really. And I'm a big fan of Marco Valeranda the player. Um, I think he will prove a big part of Sheffield's if they have any success. He's a natural goal scorer. And we all said at the start of the season that Sheffield didn't look like they had that natural goal scorer. And yes, they've started to pick up the wins. Uh, players come back with Mosey and Allen and they're getting results. And I just think that that little piece in the cog might be Marco Valorant to get them those points. And as you said with Greenfield, he's won Sheffield that point. Those little points make all the difference come the come the end of the season. So, yeah, seems all right. It does, and we'll go on to to Valorant in a minute. But we'll bring John in. We'll, we'll talk Belfast, and obviously a four per weekend. But it's Friday night, Conway Hattrick. Um, he's just carrying on his domestic form and giving Belfast a, a, every chance of winning. He's he's giving them that impetus to get the two points and just put everyone behind the bus and, and get on with it. Oh, he's, he's, he's definitely a leader, to be fair. This is a guy that three or four years ago, let's be honest, no one was really talking about when he kind of came across to play for GB. He didn't really get a lot of ice time, and I would have never thought in a million years he'd be the sort of first star player he's turned into being, especially obviously with him being a Brit as well. It's, it's like having an extra import as far as Belfast are concerned. Uh, I agree with Scott. I don't think for one second Sheffield are out of it. Okay, when you come off... At one point, we can against your big rival, and you've and they've got they've scored four, well, four points rather. You're bound to feel a bit sorry for yourself. Um, but then everyone else will play each other as well. Cardiff play Belfast and doubleheader. Guildford play Belfast next weekend. It'll even itself out. Um, in terms of Conway, great player. He's hard to like though. I just find him quite smug, quite cocky. Maybe if I was as good a player as he is, maybe I would be the same. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, if he plays for your team, you're going to love him. There's just something about him. He's a very hard player to like as a neutral, to be fair. That's not to say just because he plays at Belfast. There's been players over the years I've really respected to play for that team. Um, but if he can take that swagger into 1A, I'll take it. If he can play like that in April for the national team, I might change my opinion on the guy. But right now, he's, he's kind of annoying. I'm not going to lie, I hope he's able to change his mind because I know he said a few weeks that he's not available for the whole um, of the GB campaign this season. I, I do hope not playing in the Euro Challenge and just keeping himself going domestically. I hope he does change his mind and he's able to put in a performance that we know he can do. And obviously at a higher level, he, he struggled like most of them did. And that's not a criticism, just the reality of the situation in Finland. Um, but I'm with you on that one. Baz. 
uh, from a Cardiff perspective, in terms of looking outward in, 125 minutes of of brutally entertaining hockey, um, some of the best OT that you'll see, and just two teams going toe to toe. Is it kind of one of them where you hope? I hope you beat ten, you know, ten lumps of shit out of each other and make it easier for the other teams to pick the points up. Yeah, totally. Um, obviously, watching some of the highlights of that game, absolutely immense. Nil-nil draw going through overtime. Um, I had a little thing about with Belfast bringing back in Beskawani. Um I think that they didn't give Jones um, an opportunity. Um, I thought Whistle was playing great. Um, but then watching the highlights of Beskawani game on Saturday... Jeez, those three saves he made, um, outstanding, out outstanding. But then you look at the Cardiff point of view, yeah, <laughs> the, I just wanted them to absolutely rule each other on the on the ice. Um, yeah, it was a very very entertaining watch and thinking, wow. And but only thing I got to say about Sheffield is that there's certain some certain some players that I just can't get on with the Sheffield team. I just think that they should not be there. They're costing them a few points. Um, you obviously know the one of the candidates I'm going to say is Petgrave. I just don't get on with him at all. I don't know why. There's something about him. There is something about him I just cannot stand. And I think he's ruining some big points for Sheffield at the moment. He's a strange one. And I, I'll bring in a conversation that with, with John. John Smith, um, could see him at the weekend, and, and Thomas. I, I've, and this is what he, I agreed with what he said, never known a player that's lost a fan base like Petgrave seems to have. But it's a strange one, because if you look at him in points alone, and the plus-minus stats from a defender, you take that player every day of the week and on for Sundays. But then you mix in the, the mistakes he's made or where he's got out of position, and everyone, or most of them have, He's able to come back to the sum. They've cost big goals. The Guildford one, for example, at home, where they got the game to overtime. No, they go and take the two points and Sheffield get none. And they're starting to creep up a little bit. But it's, it's a bizarre one. I don't know if Scott and John, if you, or Baswell, if you've never known a player lose a fan base or the perception of losing a fan base as much as Petgrave here. Because a lot of the chat in the stands in Belfast was, damn Petgrave, damn Petgrave a bit more constant than normal it's a, it's a very bizarre one well I've been that petulant pet grave all season haven't I um, but I'm going to stick up for him a little bit uh, you always look for a scapegoat when you lose and he has now became that scapegoat and admittedly he's done that on his own back but I felt from what I saw this weekend he has tried to change that view on himself he went straight in at the end of that game, grabbed Ben Lake now. In the heat at the moment, you probably don't know who you're grabbing, but you should probably know that Ben Lake don't take any crap. And he went, he went toe-to-toe with him. He he seemed to be a, a bit more on that OT. He could have won it. The shot wasn't that great uh Besco. I'm not having the Besco free saves at uh, the world's greatest saves in the world. Um, it's easy to save shots that are straight at you. Um, but Belfast fans have a habit of joyous goalie saves um, so yeah and I also liked the fact that he gave the, the fans some shit I know it's a, a, a family sport but uh, the grasses 
in Belfast. Jesus. <laughs> snitches get stitches in my eyes, and I wasn't having that. And if you can give Petgrave some shit and take it back, let me crying on Twitter. So, yeah. Um, yes, he, he is the scapegoat for Sheffield at the moment, but he's got plenty of time to pull it back. And if he is determined for this season, he might prove to be that game winner later on down the stretch. Yeah, for for me, sometimes players like that will always stand out. Players are always in amongst everything, up and down the ice like he is. They make a mistake. You're going to be easy to be a sort of target. But by the same token, he's the kind of guy that's going to get fans out of their seat. You go coast to coast, maybe no tight overtime one night, and then score a game winner in a big, big game. I think you have to take the rough with the smooth, uh, with a player like him. He's a bit of a luxury player. He's not going to sit on the blue line like Sam Jones defending his goalie all night long. He's going to be up and down the ice, but then by the same time, he will be the kind of guy that I say will win your games. Again, I, I agree. I think I'd love to see him give a bit back to the fans. All these fans going, oh, look what he did, look what he did. He did do it for no reason. If he's getting goaded, okay, he's a professional, blah, blah, blah. If you're giving it, you've got to take a bit back. And I'm all for him giving a bit back, to be fair. I think that was quite funny. Um, and all these people like filming him and stuff and then grassing him up. Get over yourselves. You know, you're not exactly little angels yourselves, are you really? But, um, yeah, I think he's, he's a, he's a divisive player. But as you say, look at Dave, based on offense alone, the points he's picked up this season, tremendous. And he's probably in the top two or three best defensemen in the league still. So why would you be one of the best defensemen in the league? He's like some like plus minus plus 20 odd. And with about 30 odd, near 40 points. Any defender with them stats, you like, yes, how much do you, would you like you play for us? Um, I'm going to go on to the goals for Belfast. Firstly, best go. They weren't the best of saves, but the speed and the time which they happened back to back to back, they were not the best world saves, but they were good. And yes, that is me playing the goalie union card. Um, live with it, Scott. Um, I want to mention Whistle a bit because I'll be honest, he has been lights out all season. Friday, I didn't think it was his best game, but I felt that he was probably one of his more important games because in a big game where he's probably the first time in the UK going as the number one and saying, get on my back, I'll win his games to win his titles. He found a way to win a game. And you kind of go, OK, bit of a bit of a watershed moment for him where everyone knows he's good. He's playing well because um, his rebounds were not as sharp as normally, as we've seen on highlights all season. But he found a way to win. And it's when it comes to the question of who's your starter for the world champs, it's them type of wins and the performances where you go, He's finding ways like a bounds did four or five years ago. Whistles number one for Great Britain come the end of the season. What do you guys reckon? I'm not sure. I think because you could argue that um, currently the best two British goalies are not the best goalies in terms of the the clubs. They're not neither of them are starting every game, which you'd expect this time of the season to obviously be happening. Uh, which is unusual. I, I, I would have been very surprised at, at Bounce not being number one. Um, and it's a shame because I think he's a great goalie. I'm hoping he does play more games between now and April. Maybe a bit of, um, over the years Cardiff bias, but I'm hoping he's going to be number one. I think just based upon his experience and in games we have to win. And I, I, I take everyone's point that we'll always 
back whistle, not just yourself, David, but I still think in a, in a tournament as short as this now, with so many must-win games, I would go with experience over. I wouldn't say current form because I wouldn't say that Bounds is playing poorly, and whistle has had occasionally been tremendous, but there's not a great deal of difference between them currently for my money, and I would hope Bounds would get a nod come the Worlds, and then he's going to be the guy I would expect to sort of get promoted. I, I'm a bit of a fan of Whistle. I do like him. I like his style of play. Um, I would have liked him at Cardiff. I, people would probably uh, people with different um, approach to it, but I would have had him at Cardiff. Um, I thought with Mac Roof leaving, um, obviously it was talk of Bounce coming back. Um, I would have definitely, definitely taken him at Cardiff. Um, I think he would have done well. I do do like Bounce, but Kozan to come in, obviously, that number one spot. No, there's something not quite right there. Um, I don't know what it is. Like, John, you're saying about the GB. I've never been to a GB international game. I know they're big games. Um, I Obviously, in the future, I'd love to go and watch them. But for me, something's not right with Bounce at the moment. I don't know what, I can't put the nail, I can't put what it is exactly. But um, like I said, I've always got time for Bounds. I think he is a great, great netminder, but Kozan deserves his place. And at the moment, Whistle would be number one GB goalkeeper in my eyes. And, yeah. What I think is going to benefit GB this year is that the Euro Hockey Challenge is we can see who we want a little bit, give the guy some time give a little bit called free games. I think Pete Russell will really look at it then. He's not got to go in cold at the end of the season. So the February break will probably benefit the goalies and what they're doing. And we don't know if uh, Bounce has got a little niggle or anything like that. It, it just seems a bit baffling that he's not playing. And um, But then if Cardiff are winning, what can you do? As I said, we're only two-thirds during the season. There's, there's a lot of hockey to play. So a lot will happen. I mean, of course, with, with everything, time will tell. But I will say, he's, when Bounds is playing games, he's winning them. Um, and the close ones as well. So it's not like, in any stretch, we're, we're washing Bounds out. He's you know He's been a very good servant and will be for a number of years still. Uh, I just think, I, I think what we've seen in the potential is kind of, maturing a little bit from whistle side and it's good from the GB perspective that you've got the two goalies being able to give each other the, the competition to keep them on the toes and it only benefits the team in the end um, we'll go on to, to Guildford very shortly because I think they deserve a bit more love and we'll obviously be in Scotland but I want to bring a little bit of off ice um, hilarity at start um, but something you don't really see uh, at hockey matches was the um, and it's something I saw so it's not a case of just reading the Twitter reports but uh, a Belfast fan deciding at the end of the game straight away to go down between the blocks and wave a Belfast flag and hitting uh, or waving it in a lot of Sheffield fans faces and one of them a fellow female uh, decided to grab said person and cause a little bit of a ruckus um, something you don't see you don't want to see but I, I I don't know what the reports you against saw, but I just questioned the brain cell use to think at the end of the game, 
let's go straight between the two big blocks. So, like I said, there was a good turnout from Sheffield, and let's antagonise just a little bit straight after they've lost another game. It just baffling behaviour. I've got to be honest, I tried very much to stay away from Twitter this weekend. I knew what it was going to be like prior to the weekend. Um, obviously, I had to kind of go on to look at highlights for, for this today. But I tried where I could not to go on there because you know there's going to be the same people on there just goading. Um, I've got loads of friends over Belfast who really have. Um, but one thing I would say about the Belfast fans, they're not the best losers when they lose. Um, but they are, they're the absolute worst winners as a fan base collectively. I don't understand this need to be constantly provo- provocative and and point scoring. Don't get me wrong, we've all like a wind up now and again, but it's just a constant barrage of the same stuff being said by the same people over and over and over again. And I, I don't see the point. You know, I, I personally think that if you lose, do it gracefully. If you win, do it more gracefully. Only because the things you're saying. Nine times out of ten, it'll bite you in the arse anyway. And it's just a shame, really, that a good weekend, um, seemingly as we spoiled by a few little incidents which are reported or alleged. I didn't obviously see any of them, of course, myself, but it's just a shame that a lot of people were talking more about things that happened in and around the arena, off the ice, rather than the fantastic games on the ice. And, yeah, just, just... Guys, just it's only a game at the end of the day. Just try and be a bit more respectful and just enjoy the win for yourself without being on Twitter moan, uh, sorry, goading people within 10 seconds of the game finishing. It's, it's not a good luck. I think uh, carry on with what John was saying then. If you have a look at social media, like I was just trying to run through it all and there were certain people saying certain things about what that person did that he ran on the block, he was a bit drunk, waving a flag and hit someone in the face. But you always see on social media that people that, they don't care about the game. They don't care about, oh, this has been a massive hit. Oh, my God, there's been that shot. Oh my. All it is, all the fans base are doing these days is got their phones out. Anything, any little trouble at a game, they're videoing it. They're doing this, they're doing that. It's never about the actual game that's happening in front of them. It's about what's happening in the stands. If you want to do that, don't go to an ice hockey game. Go and watch MMA. Go and watch something else. Go and watch something big or something like that. You, all, the, all they're doing is just freaking... Sorry. All they're doing is absolutely just not giving a fuck about the ice hockey. And they're just, they're just wanting to wind you... They want to nitty-picky things out of people in the stands. About, oh, my God, look at him. Oh, he's waving his hands. Oh, my God, he can't be doing that. He can't be sticking his middle fingers up to us. It's never about, oh, my God, did you see that save? Oh, my God, that is an absolute... It's nothing about the ice hockey these days. It's all about the fucking people in the, in the stands. Oh, look, look how much I can drink. And, oh, there's my freaking head in, guys. Sorry, that's me having a bit of a rant there. <laughs> Carry on. I, I, uh, I want to uh, commend the Sheffield fans for not reacting worse than they did because... I'd, you can't do that. You can't just wave a flag in someone's face. Someone waved their flag in my face. They'd be losing the flag. I might lose something else. Um, so yeah, fair, fair play to Chef fans. As for the whole Twitter and malarkey going on, you know, I don't care anymore. So I'm done. I will say one thing. I'm finishing that on a, on a positive note. So we was over with some friends with, from 
the New York Islanders UK group, and one of the guys was actually from New York, and he comes over, works in Dublin now, and he'd never been to a, a elite league game until this season. He went to the common Sheffield game that I met John and Scott, but he was obviously this weekend, and he actually compared the atmosphere from both fans to being at the Coliseum where the, the Islanders used to play. And so I appreciate Scott may not know this. The worst, one of the worst things in NHL, but was always known for being very, very loud building. And he was like, the third period from both fans just took him back. So we'll end on a compliment from the atmosphere made from the game from both fans. Um, so let's talk Guildford. They had the little slump post caviar and they're keeping on winning. Is the Monteith finally going to uh, be secured in the latter half or latter third of the season? Um, winning Glasgow. Uh, and then beating the the Blaze four three Scott, I'll let you lead in with this one. They're just they're, they're very quick and they they are sixty minute team. Um, they scored two power play goals on us and it's just the effort they put in. The Blaze didn't play badly. They 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 we are we're a hard working side as well and a quick team. But when you're getting your two power play goals, they also conceded a penalty shot. They're just they just work in and grinding out results. And they went 2 it up and we pulled it back. When you're doing stuff like that, you're going you're gonna to win games and you're going to win potential titles. Uh, it, it's a good game. Two good teams, but Guildford showed their little bit of class and got the edge. And when you're playing a fast two fast teams playing against each other and you just get that little guilt edge chance and you convert it things good things are going to happen for you so yeah um Guildford did the business again this weekend and they had that little slump and potential banana skin playing clan because they've they've been on a high and then obviously clan get the two points the next night you wouldn't fancy that but they went and did the business early on and uh yeah fair play to them yeah, they're looking at a really decent side. Um, especially at Tedesco. I think he's an absolute find of the season. Very, very good. Strong skater. Um, and it's the way they put up their Twitter. I can't believe their Twitter's come alive. <laughs> Whoever's doing our social media is <laughs> fair to them. But never count your chickens too early, see? Putting them with six points clear. Me and John know what happened with the Devils the one season, wasn't it, John? 11 points clear. Hard times. But, like I said, I hope it doesn't... Oh, I do. I wanted to come back and bite him in the bum. But, at the moment, looking very strong. So, hopefully, they can have a bit, a bit more of a slump at the moment. But, it's going to be hard to catch. But, see how it goes. I haven't got a fucking clue. Absolute. I literally changed my opinion week after week after week after week. And I really don't know because the gap is so tiny now. I mean, if you look at the gap between Cardiff and Guildford, it's four points now. That could happen in a weekend. That could spin either way. There's, there's four teams realistically with a chance of winning this league. Um, not just Guildford, obviously. Guildford obviously would have to be favourites because it's in their hands at the end of the day. It's easy thing to say, but if you win every single one of your games, you win the league. It's in your hands. You're not relying on favours anywhere else. I guess the same could be said about any other team as well. If Cardiff play Guildford a couple of times and win their games, then they win the league. You're just <laughs> looking for where those points are going to get dropped over the season. 
Um, and Guildford had that terrible weekend just at the turn of the year, just after Christmas, and we thought, ah, here they go. You know, fair play. We were expecting it to come. It came a bit later than we thought it was going to come, but here it is. And they bounced back. I think the thing that impresses me with Guildford this year is they seem to have a belief, obviously. They, they played the same system week in and week out, and no one seems to be able to stop them. But they're getting great support from the Brits this season. Lacko is getting a fair bit of ice time, doing well. Absolutely fantastic on the PK. Um, he's even getting some power play minutes as well. Owen Griffiths is unreal. He's winning face-offs all over the place. And Ben O'Connor is kind of almost back to the one. Ben O'Connor maybe three or four seasons ago. Um, I think his spell in Cardiff wasn't a happy one in terms of performances and in terms of his statistics. And maybe he was written off as being good enough to play in this league anymore. Obviously, he went away. He's got his game together again. And he's literally sort of playing the same like he was three, four years ago in Sheffield. I don't know. I, I think that looking at the run-ins, maybe Guildford have, have got a, a, a sticky run-in. I think they've got a lot of tough games. Again, they, they play Belfast away at the weekend. I'd love them to go win in Belfast again, as they did in the week in the Cup. Um, in a way, it's almost like that result in Belfast was a waste because they weren't going to come back from four goals down anyway. Um, but yeah, if they can repeat that next weekend, who knows? But <sighs> I've got a clue. I, I think they may be marginally favourites, but then I think that the way that Cardiff are playing, the way Belfast are playing, Guildford could be third or fourth, just as easy as, as being first in the league. It's just it's that tight at the minute, and I'm not going to make any predictions because we know I'm not very good at it. But I honestly couldn't couldn't call it one way or the other right now. Just one more thing on Guildford at the weekend. Um, ben O'Connor, he's in the hash marks, gets the goal. Lakovic, the puck gets shot at him, goes in off his skates, but he's in the front of the goalie. And great points by there, John. Like the Brits are playing for Guildford, and that never was the thing with them. It was, oh, we've got the the odd Brit here. But when you've got the play, Tedesco, like Cronella, Markland. Markland hadn't, Markland hadn't scored for 20 games or something stupid like that. There was some weird stat. That, and, and he scores a great goal. If they're getting points from all around the team, they, they're going to be dangerous. And when they're playing Belfast, they've only got the one game next weekend, uh, Belfast. They can put all their eggs in the basket for that game. Go. No worries about it. You've got to play the next night. I think that would be a very, very interesting game. And if they can take, even if they take a point, you know, with our league where it's, you only get two for a win, I think that would be massive. Massive game of this weekend. I agree. And I think the game's just going to get bigger and bigger as, as we kind of move on. I'll hold fire mentioning that Cardiff results said everything because obviously next section uh, we'll let John and Baz have um, me more Cardiff-centric. <clears throat> we'll go from the top of the table to the, the bottom of the table in terms of that last playoff spot. Uh, and the two teams that are starting to find some form, well, three actually, no disrespect to him, uh, Manchester 5 and Glasgow. Uh, it's, it's, as much as the top four for the titles is exciting, that race to get the last two playoff spots is starting to heat up and as big, will be as exciting um, as the title race. So, like I say, you know, five for two points, Manchester with three only dropping one uh, to five in a shootout. <sighs> Glasgow getting an unexpected win at the, the Big Brother's house. Um, guys, is that as unpredictable as who's going to win the title? It's probably it's probably harder to, to call that, to be honest with you, isn't it? Let's be fair. 
we, we've written off Glasgow, Fife, Dundee, Manchester numerous times this, this, on this podcast this season. And then a the week after, they're going on a four-point weekend or a three-point weekend, and they go, what the fuck do you guys know? You know, let's be honest with you. You, you think we're rubbish. And of, of all the teams I'm most surprised at, I'd have to say it's Glasgow. Obviously, everyone knows the upheaval they've had this season and all the stuff they've had to deal with, and fair play to the fans who stuck with it. And I didn't see results like beating Sheffield away happening, beating Cardiff, okay, in overtime. And beaten Nottingham. So in the space of literally a week, they've beaten those three teams. They got five, I suppose, six points out of six against so, so-called big teams. You'd have laughed people's faces off if they said that to you maybe two or three months ago that they'd get those kind of results later in the season. Um, five is just weird. Five I just can't predict at all. And the same with Manchester. And again, it's just tremendous because if you've got that to be life on who will be in the top eight right now, you probably couldn't call it again. Maybe Dundee might be a bit of a stretch to get back in the race, but the other three, fantastic. They've beaten teams. They're getting wins here and there, and it's, it's great to see because at the end of the day, no one wants to watch a team from January onwards is fighting for nothing, and you're limping through to the end of the season. And as it looks right now, there's at least maybe nine teams still playing for something. Okay, maybe not Coventry and Nottingham, admittedly, because they're just hanging around waiting for playoffs now. But the bottom end, is, yeah, it's very exciting times, and it's great to uh, see the little boys getting a bit of uh, success. I'll say one thing about Glasgow. They they seem to have really adapted that fuck you mentality. And the results, like you say, in the show, the, the kind of, you know, we've all, we mentioned it numerous times on this pod, what's happened off ice, what's happening with the club. But on the ice, like I said, they've had the issues with player injury and leaving and they're turning things around and it is really kind of, really just an absolute fuck you to everybody. We're going to make the postseason and surprise probably apart from the Glasgow fans, probably surprise every fan base that they'll do it. And like I say, it's great to watch. Um, Not when they beat your team, uh, but it's it's good to see that closest at the other end of the table. Yeah, well, I think most of us um, said at the beginning of the season, like, you know, whether you're going for that bit of a massive slump, everyone ripped them off. Um, They wouldn't get any results. And it was, I think, a lot of people going, who's the team that they're going to beat? And everyone was on peer pressure. It was like, oh, don't BS, don't BS. But everyone writ off Dyson Stevenson as well. There's a lot of social media saying, why are we bringing him back and all that? And he's put his heart right into that team. And like I say, it was a massive win for them against the Devils. Obviously, didn't want to say that, but a big win. Uh, and they had a massive win against the Panthers as well in Nottingham, which I thought... Outstanding, um, you know, and Jordan County, so Jordan County, never goal, absolute class goal he scores to win it for him. Really good player, and like I said, <laughs> down down that bottom is anyone's. Like I said, Dundee, nah, but Manchester, it's all. It's, I just can't say what it could be. I really, really can't. Can't put your finger on it. But I hope Nottingham go in the bottom. I hope Nottingham go down. I can't stand him. Um, Dundee won't qualify. Um, it's one of our tough picks, Nottingham. In a bit, we took we're discussing Nottingham shortly, aren't we? <laughs> we have to give them some shit. It's been a while. Yeah, well, 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 well they're, one, they're one of the topics. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll, we'll revisit that when we discuss Nottingham. I'm sure we will. But to kind of to, to round that off, it's 
I think the point John made about nine teams have something to play for, whether it's positioning for advantage in the postseason, whether it's to make the postseason or for the title. Everyone wanted parity. Everyone were bored of one team blowing the league out and winning it with a month and a half to spare. And slowly, by hook or by crook, he slowly seemed to get that. Now, obviously things could be better, etc., etc. But from a product that actually entertains as a season, it's not bad at all. Uh, well, that's why I think anyway. I could be completely wrong. But we'll move on to to why we've got Baz on. Um, if you don't know, Baz is a Cardiff fan. Um, and me and Scott are just going to go and put the kettle on, and we'll let John look after Baz. Look after Baz. No one needs looking after Baz. Baz is like Lauren to himself, bless him. We've had some fun times on the bus, haven't we, Baz, over the years, doing like some crazy mad stuff. And uh, I do miss them wild trips, to be fair, and uh, just seeing your behaviour and your shenanigans you get up to. Obviously, it's good to see your face after a little while, my friend. Uh, let's talk a bit about Cardiff. Um, not going to lie, maybe back November time, as far as I was concerned, the season was over. They were playing... To very politely, not very well. They were dropping points against teams that, with respect to them, you wouldn't expect them to drop points against. And after the first quarter of the season, the gap was getting quite big, and they didn't seem to be bringing any form together. Fast forward two months, that form is there in abundance, winning pretty much every game. What's changed, do you think, since, say, pre-Christmas and post-Christmas to see the Devils go on the run that they've gone on? Because at the moment... They're the powerhouse that everyone knows them to be. What do you think has made things uh, different? I think they just started to click. Um, I know DuPont was mixing the lines. Um, losing, I think losing Kugler has been a massive blow for us. Um, a big, big blow. But then you look at the Martin, Cox and Sanford line. Unbeatable. I think that's the best line. That is the best line in the league at the moment. Um, so yeah, I, something, something's definitely happened in that changing room for them to spark. Like you said, John, from November time, we were oh, down and out. Um, like I said, everyone slagging the Devils off. I can't believe this team. Worst Devils team. Um, DuPont needs to go. Um, this player needs to go. This player needs to go. But since that, it's rejuvenated. Cardiff have just been playing outstanding. Um, played well, obviously, in the Conti Cup as well, I thought. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really starting to, well, fingers crossed that we can win this league. Uh, we, we're basking with a chance, massive chance now. But we've got to keep it going. That train needs to keep going and keep going and keep going. Still, yeah, a bit Sorry, Baz, I thought you've done me. I thought you had uh, finished for that uh, last question. Um, yeah, you mentioned what Kugler being now. I think, let's be honest with you, he's technically the, the, the top scorer, the best player, the guy that you'd expect to get the goals to, to win your games. When you lose a player as good as him, as it is obviously too early in the season with no sort of sign of coming back, obviously it meant that Lions obviously had to get mixed up by default. You know, Joey Martin's playing on the second line, obviously then was Reed and... It's a bit weird to see Joey Martin not on the first line as well. So, obviously, as you say, he stepped up and he's uh, replaced Kugler, essentially. And you've got Sanford scoring goals for fun. 30 goals already, obviously, this season with 18 games to go. He's on for 
40-odd goals, which is ridiculous in this league. Unbelievable form. What do you think, obviously, then they need to do obviously, to, to sort of keep him next season? And you're looking at getting him on a two- or three-year deal now, or what do you think they should need to do to uh, to tie him down then? As in Sunford now, that is. Get that contract out. Get him in that room. Get that contract out. Give him any money he wants and make him sign that contract. No, Sanford outstanding. Same as last year with Brody Reid when he was, you know, our top goal scorer last season. Um, unbelievable. He is a fantastic player. So, so good to watch. And his, him and Cox as well, the chemistry they've got is ridiculous. And then you chuck Joey Martin into the mix with them. And it's, oh my God. Like the games that I've been able to get down to watching them. It's fantastic. Having Joey back this season, he is a GOAT. You know, I don't care what anyone else on the leagues say about him. He is the ultimate GOAT. And I just hope, you know, they do keep Cox that line next for next season. Um, the one player, though, John, that I'm going to say it, that I love to have kept would have been Macaroof. I don't care anyone's opinions. I would have given him the checkbook and said, write your own. How much do you want, mate? Because what a, what a netminder. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. He was a big character. He won a lot of games, and uh, you couldn't really argue that he was the stand-up goalie uh, last season. I think, to be fair, when you ever sit a sniffer sign in Ben Bounds again, as obviously was obviously happening last summer, it would have been tough, I think, to keep both those at the team at the same time. I think you're not going to get enough ice time for either player to warrant having him back and. He obviously had a good season there as well. On that point then, what's your thoughts on the goalie situation right now though? Obviously I know you did talk a little bit earlier about Cozen being number one. Obviously Bounders and played as many games as you'd expect him to play. Obviously you see more games than I do these days in Cardiff, so I can't really sort of speak from a lot of experience of seeing many games this season. Um, but do you think that's going to be that Cozen's going to be the number one right throughout to the end of the year now playing most of the games? Or do you think there'll be more of a split? Where, where do you see that going for the next few weeks? Um, I think it's because there's going to be a split. Um, Bouncy could still do a hell of a job bringing him in um, for any game, any game he plays. I just think that Bouncy got absolutely the same we say about Petgrave, the scapegoat. Um, when we did go on that slump, most of the games, yeah, Bouncy was in. We did lose the games with Bouncy in the net. He got absolutely dragged through the dirt all over social media. People were calling for his head. People were saying, why is he back in our team? I've seen some people just absolutely going to town on him. And that's not going to do anyone's confidence any good. Any player around the league, it's not going to do anyone's... It's going to be right in the back of their mind to perform. And if they don't, they just think, oh, I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered again. With Cozen, Cozen's come on leaps and bounds um, from last season to what he is now. He's obviously done a lot of training. Uh, but having Bounds there as a mentor, though, as a mentor, so I say, I think has helped him so, so much. And he has grown into a really, really good netminder. And could I see Kozan there next season? I'd give him another shot. But. Yeah. I think you can't really argue with, obviously, he's definitely come on a lot. I didn't even see him as a decent backup goalie last season, if I'm honest, let alone a starter. Um, and he's definitely come a long way. As you say, Bounds, some of the sticky guesses is a joke. Some of these absolute sort of heroes on social media that seem to know the game better than 
the, the GB national coach or the Devils coach anyway. Never played a game of hockey in their life and they're writing this guy off as well. Obviously, looking at the league now, there's four teams in with a realistic shout of the, of the title. If you look at Guildford, obviously you're playing brilliantly. Devils are on fire. Belfast are on fire. Sheffield are still there or thereabouts. Looking at the running, obviously, Devils have got on paper. You'd probably say it's not one of the harder runnings. Do you think, when you're on spot now, they've got enough in it now to go all the way and, and to get that title back between now and the end of the season? Hand on heart, 100%. 100%. You look at the way they play at the moment. Um, the togetherness of the, of the players. You know, we had, we had Lou out. You know, we got obviously Jardine out. You know, Reese Kelly's stepped up. Reese Kelly hasn't played many games for the Devils, but stepped up and done a job. You know, we were playing with, well, we were 4D at one stage, weren't we? And, and we're still grinding out the victories. But, John, to answer that, mate, 100%, go for gold. 100%, go for gold. And. I imagine if they do. Old uh, Baz party going on if that does happen, wouldn't it? You know, we're not, yeah. You do know, I like to have a little bit of a party now and again, don't you? So, <laughs> let's oh, in a few weeks. If, I, if, uh, if the Devils win, I'll, it's a week off work and I'm going streaking. So, we're, we're going to make this official now. So, you're going to go around Roth Park Lake now, streaking and, and then get in the water and stuff naked, yeah? Right, not Roth Park. Maybe um, I'll go from the top of Barry Island and Beach into the sea and back. Let's get on memory key. Let's get on the bay, so like more people, because all the tourists can see Baz, you know, streaking down the bay. Now, that's a sight that no one wants to see when they come to Cardiff. But if if I see you doing that, that'll be a funny, funny thing. Right, boys, you've been hanging around for a long, long time in the background. What are we doing? Talking about Nottingham now, going to lock them a bit of stick, or what? What should we do now, boys? I've a, got a couple sure. of questions I want to kind of throw in to, to Baz, <laughs> and you kind of alluded to it in terms of with the Continental Cup run. And like John said, we, at that time we did write Cardiff off, but we also said that that weekend was kind of make a break. It became, if they do well, could give them the, the springboard to do well, um, which they obviously did well on that weekend and made the final. So do, do you reckon that that weekend hosting the tournament, a bit of freedom from the league, no pressure per se, but actually allowed them to find the groove and they've just gone from there? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, like you said, it was no pressure. They went out there to give it a go. And I think they did give it a go. I think, you know, they went out there for just to be the muck team, just like, oh, you know. They did have a go. That said, that Nitro, the Nitro team, very, very good team. Um, you know, Angers losing to them as well. But I think from, from, from that now, back to the league, I reckon they can push on from it. They've had an experience of playing over there. I think they've brought, obviously, some stuff back, maybe to Ponsin and chatting with other coaches from around Europe. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, is it something, something's, hap- something's really good at the moment, Double Devils, and um, long may continue. I just said, just, I just hope we just don't go through like a little bit of a slump now, because we're any points vital at the moment. Like I said, even getting a point in Glasgow, that was massive, I thought. Massive, massive point. You know, and and the day that could win us the league. I was also interested you were saying in terms of Bounds being kind of in a mentor position with Cozen, who has you know, developed and performing a lot better than he did last season. Is it kind of 
where everyone's worrying about, and we've mentioned the crap on social media amongst aimed at him and other players, but do you reckon that's kind of the secret benefit of Bounds with his experience at the World Championships, playing in Europe, playing in big games and all that? Do you reckon that experience that he's been able to to give to Cozen, and although Bounds is not the starter nighty night out, he's doing as much in that respect, and it's showing through Cozen that he would be starting every night, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that the fact of, like you said, Dave, with what Bounds experience, where he's been, what game, big games he's played in, people then don't understand that what he, what he is, who he is. Ben Bounds is an absolutely amazing, amazing netminder. And I think the fact of he's obviously sees something in Kozan and he wants to give as much training, as much mentoring to him. And I think they have got a good thing going, but never rule out Ben, ben Bounds. Never, ever, ever rule him out. Because I think he has done a lot for GB. He's done a lot for the Devils. And he has done, he's just an all-round good guy. And I think the fact of, could I see Ben Bounds there next season? That's a big question. I want to put that to John. Could I see Ben Bounds there next season? Yes. But not a number one or number two. I could see him there being a coach. I can see Ben Barnes being in the next three or four seasons, personally. I absolutely could. If he has yeah. to step back as a number two, then so be it. But I see Barnes being there for the, for the long term. That's an interesting take, that one I didn't think of. Um, I'm with John. I think there's a few few more years left in the tank with, with, with Bounds. Uh, Scott, do you have any questions to get to Baz? Um, I don't have questions. I have. A, I just want to uh, quote my favourite footballer, Thomas Muller, and say, goal, Sanford. That's all I want to say about Cardiff. No, uh, Baz, uh, Rhea... I think you're right with the Joey Martin. We, uh, I said earlier in the season, he came back and he wasn't the top guy. Uh, he was on the second line, and I think that the uh, the injuries and whatnot has put him back on the top line, and he's shown he is the player that left, and his his points um, have shown that. So going forward, if you, if do do Cardiff still build on? Next season, and if you keep him bound, do you still keep Joey Martin as your first line guy, or do you do you say, oh, no, we'll get we'll we'll, we'll move it back down to the second line, whether it be the towards the end of the season or next season? Do you have to keep Joey Martin on the top line? Definitely. Um, like I said earlier, with that Martin Cox and Sanford line, that's unreal. The way they're playing at the moment, yeah, you keep him there all day long. Um, next season as well as long as we can keep Sanford and Cox I'll keep him as long as you can um, unbelievable really really good players you know Joey Martin could do a job for any team you know he's fantastic but I just sorry Dave I just want to go back to I think I've got a bit thing with a, with a Ben Bounds situation um, the reason I was saying that obviously with Ben Bounds will be there next season the amount of pressure that he had, like I said, from social media, would you want 
that again next season. You know, he's pulled himself off social media, he's pulled himself all off all media because it just got to him. Now, from a professional player, would you think you want that again next season? And then the season after it, if they lose or he has five past him or four past bounds or whatever they'd say. Would you want that? I know he's a professional hockey player, I know people deal with him in different ways. But I just for the person for the guy himself I wouldn't want that to any player. And he had got so much abuse that it was disgusting. And I just, I loved, I loved our bounds there next season, same as John said, next season, season after. But the guy got ripped to absolute shreds. The worst that I have seen in a long time. And the thing that's, is, that's, sorry, Buzz, I, I, I would say though, and I get what you're saying, but it, it, it's always the same with Cardiff fans and his other fan bases are the same. It's the same small minority that say the same things over and over again. I think if you discard that element of, of any fan base that just is so vocal, you're probably talking three, four, five very opinionated people. I think they don't speak for a lot of the majority, but they make the most noise. And there's people, obviously, that I don't know personally, that I saw like th- things are coming up and stuff was, was maybe on uh, Twitter that I kind of come across. And... It's crap. At the end of the day, a guy like him who's played as, at the high level as he has for such a long time isn't bad overnight. Form, like anything, can come and go in any sport. It really can. And they've got to remember, this guy had a fucking bad injury. Really bad injury. Not so long ago. And it's not easy to kind of come back from that as well. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day. Well, I do want to sort of go back on, like to kind of like cut this a little bit dead now so I'm not rambling on too long. Give a quick a word about Richardson. It's a remiss of us to let that go. A thousand games in the league. Uh, unbelievable player. Unbelievable guy. If Cardiff had 20 guys like Mark Richardson, they would never lose a game. Not 20 players would play like him, just as, as a human being, the way he conducts himself, the way he trains, the way he, he you know, he basically turned up night after night. Give us some, uh, some, uh, some words or whatever about Richardson. What, what do you think about? A thousand games playing, most of them for the Devils over the years. Unreal. Unreal for absolutely an amazing class guy. Um, like I said, John, I haven't been there for on the Devil for so long, so obviously I didn't see what he was like going back previous years. Um, a lot of people said that he is the all-round sportsman that everyone would everyone would have in their team. Um, the things that obviously done for the Devils, done for GB as well. And I really do hope there's a few seasons left in him because the guy is epic. And, like, off the ice as well. What a nice guy. See him down Tesco's loads. Shake my hand. Have a chat with me. And that's all you want, don't you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm a, pro, I'm a professional, like, a professional like, hockey player. That's all he wants. Have a look. How's he doing? I right, mate. Well, what have you got in your trolley? Oh, nice. See you at the Devil's game soon. More importantly, did he, did he, he allow you his club card points? You could have mentioned Tesco's. Um, but no, Bass, thank you very much for that. A great um, statement in terms of the perspective on, on Cardiff. Um, but what you've also had is you've also been interrupted by John C. You now you've had the proper three-on-three welcome. Um, but thank you very much, Baz, on that. It was really um, a good segment. So let's move on to one next segment that I think we'll all enjoy a little bit. And Scott alluded to, um, in terms of a team that 
thought a few changes would make things different, and it doesn't seem to be the case. Scott, would you like to start things off? Well, Mr. Graham was the soundbite guy. He was. We enjoyed his misfortunes, and they could bring back Corey Nielsen. We're thinking, look, this guy knows what he's doing. He's been around the block a little bit. He knows that club. And have they improved? I, I, I think his record is probably similar to Mr. Graham. And they're losing games at a rapid rate, and they're losing at home. And as much as Blaze have cemented fifth and Nottingham 14 points off the Blaze in six, there are only a couple of points above dropping out of the playoffs completely. Now, I've been there as a Blaze fan and not making the top eight, and the dejection in the fan base when that happened was hellish, and you've got a lot of work to build the fan base back, and we're still we're still trying to do that. Um, imagine if the Nottingham don't make don't even make playoff quarterfinals. What does that do to the club, to their season ticket renewals, to everything? And like Leicester winning the league in the football, it's not it's not the it's not a foregone conclusion that now Nottingham won't fall into that trap of... Because they're not in playoff mode, whereas all the Scottish teams are. And uh, yes, I think Dundee won't make it, but Manchester are guaranteed to pick up points. They do that, that and especially playing in the Storm Shelter. Clan, under um, Mr. Stevenson, uh, the forward, who scored at the weekend, uh, they've kind of... They're getting points. I might be being a bit, a little bit silly, but come on. I mean, I'd bloody love it if they don't make the top eight, but is it, there is a realistic chance that that could happen. I thought he was going to go all Kevin Keegan on us then, um, with that last bit. Bloody but, love uh, it! <laughs> so, and also, are you kind of following the, the fairy tale of Leicester winning the Premier League to Nottingham not making the quarterfinal? Are you saying? Yeah, because 100%. That would, that would be the, the joyous occasion of Nottingham failing, and I'm all for it. <laughs> I can't disagree. Well, I'm just going to lie. I, I, I don't, don't get that comparison. Commentary guy, you're like saying the joyous occasion of Leicester winning the league would be the same as Nottingham not getting to the playoffs. No, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, yeah, that's what I came across. No, what I said was it, you don't think it would happen, but you didn't expect Leicester to win the league. And everyone was saying in January, oh, they're not going to win the league. Oh, in February. And they end up doing it. Nottingham are falling down into that pit of, oh, they're, they're not, they're going to still be finished six. They're still going to pick up points, but they're not. They're not doing that. And when they're getting beat, they're getting beat. Not getting beat in these close games. They're getting spanked. So, oh, we'd love it, wouldn't we? The Scott. Oh, Oh, sorry, sorry, I had to back. It's okay, Bass. I was just going to say the fact that when they brought that Corey Nielsen back, the Nottingham fans, oh, the sexy, I was doing my dance then, the sexy Nielsen hockey and all that. And, like, you know, they must have been in their Twitter, in their mirrors, going, oh, sexy, sexy Nielsen hockey is back. You look at that team on paper, it's a good team. Like I said, when they signed, sorry Scott, when they signed Luke Ferrara, I thought, oh, wow, Adam Brady, 
from Manchester. Fair enough. Gagnon. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, gee. And now, it's great to see him on the down. It's unbelievable. But you know what's going to happen, John? We're going to go to Nottingham. And what's the devil's going to do? Hopefully come back with two points. But, oh, oh, I just don't understand. What is the wrong with the devils when they go to Nottingham? I don't understand. Fife. Anyone can go there and win. We can't. <laughs> it's an age-old thing. I went there for years years and years. I can't work it out. I'm glad you ex- explained that sexy dance you were doing, to be fair. I thought like, you were doing some kind of lap dance into us or something. I was getting a bit concerned as, as to your welfare, what was going on there then. To, yeah, I, I think to me... It's just a... I'm oh, sorry. That's okay. You get, you get your, shake your, shake your thing on again. I get it. No, all you've got to do, you've got to put your hands up like to the sides, up in the air. And then you got to do like a, like a belly dancer. Hey, ladies, drop it down. It's like that. I think that's what all the Nottingham fans were doing. When okay, it was I like, don't intend to but, you know, thanks for explaining anyway. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. I just got, I got caught I, in the I, moment. I haven't got the moves to be a dancer. Uh, going back to, to the Panthers and the, and the funny little uh, uh, goings on, shall we say, I think it just goes to show that Graham wasn't just a crap coach, he was a crap recruiter. Because at the end of the day, Corey's record is actually worse than, than Graham's. But at the end of the day, it's not his team. He's inherited that team. I agree with what the boys said. On paper, that team looks good. The fans were very excited back last summer. They looked like there was goals in that team. They looked like there's depth in that team for the first time for a little while. Uh, but they haven't just... I don't know whether they've just signed individuals or don't play as a team because they got good Brits there again. That team is stacked. But they just don't seem to be gelling. And I think that Pasha's first season, obviously, as a, as a director of hockey, wherever his, his role is there now as well, I think he must be under a little bit of pressure. Uh, at the end of the day, his predecessor, Doucette, fell on his sword, as did Wallace. Um, and I think at the minute, they're probably performing worse than they were under those two. Uh, I'm sure they won't go and get the uh, the, the firing gun again and get rid of uh, Pasha anytime soon. But I think if you're a club like Nottingham with the expectations that they bring, uh, hovering around sixth place, maybe dropping out of the playoffs, is not what they sign up for. Their fans expect more than that, and rightly so. They're a bigger arena team, and it's kind of embarrassing. A little bit gutted that he got rid of uh, Craig Moore uh, last week. Always like Morsey. Thought that was going to be a good move for him. I genuinely thought he may have been there for a, a good five, six, seven seasons. Uh, obviously, didn't work out. And uh, hopefully, he'll get himself a team soon, maybe back in Dundee. But yeah, if uh, Nottingham do slide down to ninth, that would be a very fun uh, playoff weekend, shall we say. <laughs> Can I just make a point about Corey, Corey Nielsen not recruiting that team? Um he knew what he was getting into. Um, Chuck Webber came in to the blaze that were languishing and ended up winning the playoffs. So there might be a characters to this game. And maybe Corey is off a little bit more than a chew, which I'm very surprised by. I'll just start with what Baz was saying. The best way to describe that dance was the hips don't lie. Um, that's something that I'm just not going to be able to get rid of the image. Um, I'll tell you what, the Nottingham season reminds you of a bit. It reminds you of the, the Thompson Barrasso season in Sheffield, where there was a lot of talk of Sheffield not making the postseason because the, the form was just so bad. Scraped seventh, I think. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I think you faced scraped eighth. I think that could do as much damage 
to the organisation as not making the postseason. I'm with everybody. I, I find it hilarious. And even if Sheffield got knocked out in the quarterfinals again like last year, I'd still find it hilarious. But to look at it from a, from a Nottingham perspective, it would, I think it would do a lot of damage. It's a fan base that expects a fair bit. I, I don't blame them. They're a big budget team. Great arena. Um, you know, they have a good history. And it's just not delivered. And yes, no one's guaranteed victories. No one's guaranteed titles. What you want as a team, and you say from every every all ten teams, is you expect compete level. You expect them to perception of competing every night. And they just don't seem to be having it. We say all this, watch them win Saturday against Sheffield. It'll just be about right. Um, but yeah, it's it's looking dicey for, for Nottingham. I think it's that dicey. I think we need to get Paul back on. Um, his very quiet and calm views on the Panthers. I think that would be uh, something we need to book in soon. Um, anybody else got anything else to mention about the Panthers and their bad Formula 8? Okay, so we've, we've covered the vast majority of the podcast. We've gone to our newly titled yays and nays. Um, we did try getting other people's. Didn't get any feedback, so we'll make it one week. And then if not, we'll just stick to the four people on the pod. Let's start with John. John, what's your yays and nays? Uh, yays. I'll have to say, second time I've said this, this season, Paul Sanford scoring crazy amount of goals. He's on par for knocking on 50 goals another bunch of the weekend. So he's playing... Um, unbelievable for the Devils. Uh, second year, I guess, I've got to give it to Guildford again. They went to Glasgow at the weekend, Friday night. A uh, game that, with a bit of a banana skin, obviously coming off the back of beating Sheffield and Cardiff, you thought, mm, maybe uh, Glasgow could get a result. No, Guildford did what Guildford do. Um, and then Coventry pushed them a little bit the next night, to be fair. I thought, maybe with travelling back from Scotland, I might be a bit tired and they might run out of gas, but they didn't. Uh, Nays, Belfast fans being uh, bad winners, just nah, no need. Uh, and I suppose the other nay would have to be Panthers, zero point weekend, one goal weekend. What the actual f is all that about? One goal over two games. That's not very good, Nottingham. Funny, but not very good. My year is going to be Stefan Fournier for the Devils. Uh, what a character he's brought since he's been brought in. Um, puts his body on the line with the games he's been playing in front of their net. He's done some damage and he's just a massive all-round character. I think that's boosted the Devils up knowing now they've got someone like that there. Another yay is going to be just being on a podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to say yay, thank you ever so much. But my knees are going to be whoever did that shoe boat in uh, Belfast, that video where Marco Valorant scores do a shoe boat Give him more effort, mate. Put two beers in your shoe, not just the one. And the other one I'm going to say is the Panthers as well. You know what I mean? Absolutely shocking. Um, downward spiral they're on. Long may it continue for you, Dave, and you, Scott. Uh, my yeas is uh, Johnny Curran. He's going he's gonna to show a lot of people what he's worth for the GB this year. And we'll probably end up losing him. He'll probably get picked up by someone else. But it's a short career and... Uh, I wish him all the best this summer. Uh, my nays is uh, Mr. Stephen Fournier. 
I'm not having him. It's uh, it's all a, it's all an act. It's all a Twitter thing. Yes, he gets the goals when it's, it's winning four nil, and it's funny that he's got a product to sell. And while he's over here, isn't it? So if you wanna, if you wanna fall for him, then that's good. I'm sure, he's a nice guy, but not having. He shops at Asda, though, not Tesco. Um, my days and days. Um, my first year is that overtime uh, on Saturday night, Belfast Sheffield. Some of the best overtime hockey I've seen for a long time. And probably, I said on Twitter, advocacy that overtime should be 10 minutes, not five. Would not be good for the nerves, but my God, that was so end-to-end for both sides. You know, best Guarani, Greenfield, and the players, the, that was more just so entertaining. The shootout was just Russian roulette. No one gave a toss about that. But that overtime itself, you had both sides going, do you know what? That was entertaining, that. Um, secondly, um, and I'll mention why I say this, I, I'm going to say the, the turnout from Sheffield this weekend. I know doubleheaders do get more fans going, but Sheffield had a couple of Scotch doubleheaders before Christmas. This, obviously, within the 15-week January month, to have as good a turnout, uh, you know, fair play to each other, one of them, and also um, a lot of them having issues, um, obviously, with Fly AB. But some of the Belfast fans also offered to help get them to Dublin Airport, to Aldergrove Airport. Them little things, do you know what? That's what you want to see. Um, my nays. Fife and Dundee. What the fuck are you playing at? International break. Let's have a couple of friendlies. Fine. £15 a ticket for a friendly against teams you've played a million times. The Scots like taking the piss out of Sheffield Nottingham playing a million times season. Aren't you just doing the same, boys and girls? Aren't you just doing the same? Whoever thought £15 for a friendly at this time of the season, stupid. Absolutely stupid. Dow's testimonial tickets are £12. You're telling me that the effort level is going to be any more than that? No. So I, I, I think that's a... Now you're screwed up there, Fife and Dundee, and I think you're taking the piss out of your fans. Yeah, you've got shirts potentially that you can auction off and make money for charity and that, and fair play, but they're two fan bases that need more tender loving care than others because of what the history is and a lack of success and to do that to him I think you you just you just took the piss out of them I'm sorry my other name we mentioned Belfast fan with the flag I, I'd love to know what that person were thinking to think that was a good idea at the time five ten minutes afterwards you're not fine on the bridge fine going between a fan base actually you just beat him stupid but for me, it did take the shine off a damn good weekend in Belfast. Met with uh, with John and Tom um, and a few of the Belfast fans. Um, so it was uh, good to see. So that's it for the podcast. Um, social medias, at Twitter and on Instagram, at 303podcastuk. The Facebook group, 303podcastuk. I-, I just had a look at the, the stats. And I know there may be the odd um, bot that kind of plays itself. But we've uh, allegedly been listened to in... Um, 23 different countries, ranging from Brunei, Mauritius, Egypt, Iran, Peru, uh, the Dominican Republic, uh, Costa Rica, um, France. I'll not say it like uh, the videos go around the uh, Miss Universe lady who said France in a dubious way. Um, But to every person who has listened, wherever you are, thank you ever so much for your time. Please do give us... um, Follow us and, and spread the word. Like I say, we had some really good feedback on last week's uh, Pride episode with Chris. Um, maybe even getting him on just again because the feedback was like, yeah, he's actually quite good. Um, we'll not say it too many times because he'll not as um, forget it. Um, so that's it, guys. Uh, Baz, 
the entertainment I expected, you didn't fail to deliver. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thank you ever so much. Really enjoyed that. Um, really enjoyed, obviously, talking to hockey. Some of these plus and minuses still rattling around my head all that. But, no, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Absolute pleasure. And thank you ever so much for having me on. Not a problem. John, Scott, as ever, thank you for your time. Thanks, boy. It's good to see Beth's face. I haven't seen this guy for about nearly three years now for a big man hug. So uh, good to see his face. It's all a good speaking every day on the phone and stuff, but seeing his face has been nice. So uh, stop dancing and serenading me, mate. It's just making me feel a little bit kind of uneasy. Uh, I wish people could see what you're doing right now because uh, I'm not sure it's very appropriate. But we'll have you anyway, Baz. Any dancing? No, it was great to have uh, Simon uh, Baz on. Uh, love you, Baz. Uh, let's close the gate, boys. That's the gate closed. And that's it for another episode of the 303 Podcast.